So, you know, we're talking about uh, positive trumpeters worldwide. And, uh, you know, there's only one trumpet player, and I'm not going to name him, <laughs> who I, I really don't ever care to work with again. But for the majority, there's a lot of really great people out there. I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that some of my... Uh, some people probably would think the same thing of me uh, because of some past, <laughs> you know, especially on cruise ships. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cut that part out too, but you know, I was not the nicest, not the nicest guy. I just, I get way too serious when I'm on the bandstand, you know, there's, yeah. there's no, it's work, yeah. man. You know, let's, let's get down to it. So um, we, we had a, we had a, um, a zoom meeting with all the principals and uh, it's, it's not only just great to see them and, and, and where they are, and lives, but like we were talking to Axel and Axel is a plays with several different symphony orchestras in Norway. And uh, a couple things kind of jumped out at me every summer. He takes four weeks off of the trumpet mm. and then it takes him about four weeks to get back. And, mm-hmm. and the difference between what he does and what I do is, is vast. I mean, he's such a gifted player, um, but he knows, you know, months in advance what he's going to be playing. So he kind of knows how much chops he needs for each service. He's playing with three different groups and they, they, you know, and they're presenting each week and he said, they're back to normal. It was really cool. And, and I'm just like, you know, people want to know because part-timers and comeback guys and all that kind of people that don't really have the kind of time that I do or we do to, to, to vote to the trumpet want to want to have those little secrets and want to have those little shortcuts and all that stuff. And he said, I just never thought anybody would be interested in it. And I was like, dude, I play trumpet for five, six hours a day, and I am completely enamored with the fact <laughs> that you can do that. Please post a video. And he said, well, you know, I mean, is, is it really a broad-based thing? And I said, dude, we have 8,000 members. It's like standing up in front of a, of a, of a group of 100 trumpet players. If, if you can – and you're speaking and you're having a master class. If you can affect positively one person in that group, you have so much more than done your job right. as as an educator and as a mentor and as somebody who's, who's trying to encourage people. And so I said, Axel, man, if you reach one person out of 8,000 and you make them a better trumpet player, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And mm-hmm. he's like, okay. And the very next day, he posted a thing on there that was just like, how in the world did I not think of this? in my 50 year career to do this. <laughs> and so that's, what's super cool. And that's, what's really cool about, about being about social media and being online. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are things in the studio that I discover every day. And what I try to do is I try to develop something in my routine to make that a skill that I own so that the next time I see it, if I, if I had trouble with something in the studio today, I will make up a routine or make up an exercise that encompasses that skill. Mm -hmm. So the next time I run up on it, I'll, I'll know that I've done it for hundreds of hours, hundreds of times, Mm -hmm. maybe thousands of times. And I won't freeze up or freak out or, 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 you know, have a, have a implosion in my brain. Um, it's just all those little things that you can that you can glean from what's going on online, even from the bad stuff, even from the stuff that's like, oh, my 
goodness, what is going on? You can really, and so, you know, being encouraging, if I listen to a, if I, if I listen to a video and somebody says, you know, comments are appreciated. I try and find something positive hmm. about that performance. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you recorded yourself and you put it online, that right there is just holy right. crap. Amazing. You know? Right. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to really encourage a lot of people uh, because, you know, for, for a long time, I've been looking for the guy that's going to kind of the young lion that's going to do what I do when I don't do it anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, I tell you that the search to find those kind of players is it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough because yeah. uh, because, you know, you can pick up your phone and Google something and then, you know, point zero zero one four seconds, you can have 10,000, you know, uh, results. Right. <laughs> you don't right. do that on the traffic day. <laughs> it just doesn't happen, as you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, I want to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, are you sure. doing okay time-wise? Oh, yeah, fine. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, you, you've mentioned a number of groups that you've you've uh, played with, toured with. Um, can you give me a rundown of some of those groups and maybe uh, how much time you spent on the road with them? I Yeah, man. I, I started out with an R&B band. Like my first gig out of college was up in Cincinnati. Um, it was at a club called January's. It was a 13-piece house band. And when I walked in, uh, the band, I, I, it was a Friday night. I was starting on Saturday, and the band was on break. And they were having a lingerie show as the sort of the halftime entertainment. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I believe I have died and gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and then I played in an R&B band in, in, uh, in, in uh, Baltimore uh, for a while, which was a ton of fun. And then another band called Junior Klein and the Recliners. They were, they were really great. And then I uh, started on my trek to Nashville, mm-hmm. really. Um, you know, when I got to Nashville, everybody said, ah, oh, you need a five-year plan. You probably won't get your first master session for blah, 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 and the tour and the this and that and the other thing. And so I put together a plan. And by the end of the first year, I had, I had achieved all those goals. Nice. Obviously, I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, and got really lucky. My first gig, uh, road gig, was with Shelby Lynn. She's a little. She had a little swing record, like a country Texas swing record. Mm-hmm. We opened up for Kenny Rogers on a Christmas tour, six days a week, two shows a day, mm-hmm. seven hundred fifty bucks a week. I was happier than a clam in mud. <laughs> I just, and what a great group of guys that I have uh, become, you know, lifelong friends with. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of that, I met Charles Rose, who's been playing with the Muscle Shoals Horns since 1972. His first gig with them was Elton John. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the United States tour. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So Charles took a liking to me and started calling me for sessions <clears throat> down in the Shoals and, and gigs down there. Um, the first session I ever did down there showed up, and I had no idea who we were working for, but it was live with the rhythm section. Um six-piece horn section big rhythm section um and uh and i looked at charles and, and said who are we working for and he said johnny taylor who's one of my favorite r&b artists of mm-hmm. all time who's making love to your old lady we covered it in in every band i was in until that point and i was just completely shocked mm-hmm. um and then as a result of that harvey thompson who has also been with the, the shoals muscle shoals horns for a long time the 60s called me up a couple months later and said, 
hey man, uh, you know, I've been doing this gig and the, the artist wants to change to a brass section instead of all saxophones. I said, great, who? He said, Lyle, love it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was with Lyle from 93 until 2007. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, but, but it was, you know, we would go out, yeah, we'd, sometimes we'd go out two or three years in a row during the summer because it was such a big band, we would have to go out for like eight or 10 weeks and we would work nonstop. And mm -hmm. it was absolutely incredible. Just amazing music, amazing people. We would stay at the Ritz Carlton, you know, for our hotels. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. It was when so Julia Roberts was around. And, you're making yeah. more than 750 a week at this point, I hope. At this point, yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> a little bit, little bit more. And yeah. then, <clears throat> and then I, I split. Uh, the gig like in 2003 because I had I had a, or maybe 2000 I had up other opportunities at one point in in this time you know I was with Winona Judd for a couple of years um, I also toured with Kirk Franklin in 2000 uh, 2001 and we did um, 10 weeks with Lyle we left the last day of the Lyle tour started the Kirk Franklin tour did 10 weeks with him then we did a little winter run with lyle had a month off and did another 10 weeks in the spring with with kirk hmm. i was uh, gone 11 out of 14 months um at the end of that i just decided that i wanted to watch my kid grow up mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh i called you know when lyle called or his manager you know and i said i, I can't go and he's like come on how much you want and I said, no, it's, it's really not about the money. He's like, come on, everything's about the money. How much do you want? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, 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 I turned it down very nervously, turned down, you know, forty or $50,000 worth of work. And the phone started ringing immediately for sessions. Nice. Um, so I, I knew I had done the right thing. Nice. But then they called again and, uh, and said, hey, we want you to go out. And I said, great. Now it is about the money. Mm. And and doubled doubled my money. Uh, at that point, it had been the most most wow. money. And I mean, don't tell Lyle, but I would have done it for free. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. I've mean, just uh -huh. been really really lucky. And then, um, you know, the 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 little the the one offs and all that kind of stuff that I've been fortunate to do. You know, um, I've just been incredible. One of the highlights was, uh, and this is this is a good story. I played with a band called Max Carl and Big Dance. We did a record, and Glenn Fry from the Eagles um, produced the record. Mm -hmm. In the midst of recording the record, Don Henley was getting married out in California. Now I'm, I'm going to need all these names back because I'm going to need to drop them again. So kick them back over to me. <laughs> you got it. Um, <laughs> So we go out to California, and the first night we're there, we go to a birthday party for John Fogarty, and everybody's there. Everybody's. There. I stood in line for barbecue next to Courtney Cox from Friends, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my God, how did I get here?" Right. Mm -hmm. um, really great experience, like including the National Enquirer calling everybody in the band, offering them twenty thousand dollars to take pictures of the wedding. Right. Nobody took them up. Oh. Because yeah, no, nobody took. They they did get the pictures. It was from right. some waiter, but yeah. nobody in the band took them up on the offer because, you know, suicide, just right. you know, like career right. suicide. So, right. and uh, just not the right thing to do. So <clears throat> we're at the wedding. Let me see if I can get this right here. So we're at the wedding. Uh, big tent, it's Malibu. It's a ranch in Malibu. Um, Tony Bennett, 
opens with the trio. Sting plays. Billy Joel does a couple of tunes. Then the Eagles played. And then Glenn's band played. And then this little cover band, you know, that I was playing with. Right. We went on. <laughs> so, like you're the so main on. act, right? Everybody else was opening for you. You're right. Everybody else was opening <laughs> up for us. So let me let me just rewind just a little bit. So I'm I'm we're at the reception. <clears throat> we went to the wedding. We're at the reception. The, the L.A. Phil played Here Comes the Bride. I mean, seriously, <laughs> this was like, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So <clears throat> so um, I'm standing uh, in a room where there is a vodka and caviar bar in front of me. I'm standing next to the bar and to the left of me. About 15 feet away, the chieftains are playing. Oh my God. Are you? Uh, yeah, like I could spit on. And so I'm standing there, I'm kind of grooving, and I'm looking down at the vodka. And somebody comes up next to me, just behind me, and says, "What are you going to drink?" And I said, "Man, I was, I've never tried this uh, absolute uh, pepper here." And I was thinking about having one of those. He said, "Well, pour two, and we'll do it together." And I turn, it's Jack Nicholson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I did a shot of vodka before the show with Jack Nicholson. But it gets better. Um, <laughs> so we're on stage, and, like, uh, Sheryl Crow comes up, and she sings a song. And Bruce Hornsby comes up, and he sings a song. And, you know, everybody wants to get in on the act. And so we're, uh, I hear this, okay, let's, let's kick off six, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. And we start playing the vamp at the beginning. Boo dip you know the song, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Bruce Springsteen comes up on stage and sings the crap out of this song. Mm-hmm. And I was not a gigantic Springsteen fan until that night. Mm-hmm. And I, I just was mesmerized. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, high five in the boss on the way out. So it's like we finish, it's like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking out and there's like forty people on the dance floor and they're all kind of in a circle and there's one guy in the middle and I kind of wait, make my way through and it's, it's Springsteen mm-hmm. and he's in the middle of holding court. He's, he's telling a story. He stops the story and comes over to me and says, Hey man, the horn sounded great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Holy crap. He says, what's your name, man? I'm like, please give me a gig. Please give me a gig. Yeah, please right. give me a gig. <laughs> so I told him, you know, I told him my name. My, my name's Vinny. All right. So that, that whole thing goes down, and about six months later, this is during the summer, about six months later, I'm on a Christmas time tour with Lyle. Maybe it's like October, November, because two things happened. We're at Radio City Music Hall. I got stuck in the elevator with about 12 of the Rockettes going up to rehearsal, mm. which, again, died gone to heaven, mm. right? They're all like a foot taller than me, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> In the Lyle show, what we would do is we would open the show and we would play for like 45 minutes or an hour. And then he would sort of whittle the band down to when it was just him and the cello player playing beautifully, hauntingly. And then as the show would start to close, he would introduce people and bring them back. Mm-hmm. And the horn section was the last. Well, the singers were the last. So, so he would introduce the horn. So we would always go back backstage and there's a strong possibility that we might have a toddy or two mm. uh, to make it through the rest of the show. So, you know, we got a little, we loosened our ties a little bit. 
and I'm standing Radio City Music Hall. I'm standing at the at the soundboard, getting ready to be introduced. Dark backstage, and I hear this, "Hey, Vinny." And I turn, and it's Bruce Springsteen sitting in the corner <laughs> by the soundboard watching the show, and he remembered my freaking name. How about that? Now, probably what happened was he said, hey, who's the fat trumpet player? What's his name? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't care. That's not how the story went right. for me, man. So, I mean, I guess that's uh, that would definitely be a highlight there. And uh Man, I'm, I'm using that story to open. I'm going to cut this to the beginning of the, the interview because uh, if, once people hear this, they're going to be hooked for the whole thing. <laughs> right? Because they're going to be like, it, it's, it, it can't, well, it can get better, right? But, uh, I mean, it goes seriously. downhill from there, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a story. What a great story. Yeah. How about that? Man? It's yeah. just like one of the, one of the incredible moments. Uh, w- one more real quick one. Uh, and this was just, this was just awesome. So, my dad and I used to, when I was in high school, my dad and I would sit, uh, when I was able to stay up late enough, and we would watch The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson oh, yeah. and, and, and Doc. And I could see my dad. My dad's still alive, although he is struggling with his health right now. But uh, I can see he would sit, and he would have his arms slung over the back of his wing back and his, and his, his right foot uh, tucked up under his left leg, and, and we would watch. And he would look at me all the time and he would say, you know, one day, kid, you're going to be on that show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, OK, Dad, whatever. Have another drink, pal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so. Um, <clears throat> so fast forward now, Lyle, Lyle's people say we're going we're flying out to L.A. Uh, and we're going to do the Tonight Show. And uh, and I was just thrilled to death. And I had ordered a trumpet from Chris and Irma Calicchio, mm-hmm. Dominic had just passed and Chris was, had taken over the company as women are still in LA and it was ready. So a couple things happened that day. So I call my dad on the phone, like on Monday and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing Thursday? He's like, I don't know. I mean, I'll work and I'll come home and blah, blah. I said, do you watch the tonight show anymore? And he goes, eh, you know, it's Jay Leno now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but it is the tonight show. He's like, yeah, you know, I just, I miss Carson. And mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I think Thursday maybe you should watch the show. And he's like, what in the world? Why in the world would I do that? I said, because I'm going to be on Mm. The Tonight Show. (laughs) And he says, that's great. I got to (laughs) go. So I'm like, I'm ready for this big emotional, I told you you were going to be on You know, and all that stuff. Well, I mean, probably 15 years later, man. Um, we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and I tell that story just like I told it then. And my mother looks at me and she says, this is what you don't know. Your dad got off the phone and sat there and cried for 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, But back to the show. So here's the deal. This is big then. I was probably 290, 295. Mm -hmm. I I have a brand new trumpet that I've never played. You know, I, I warmed up on. And we're playing a song called Penguins. It starts out with four bars of drums, and then the horn section comes in with the drums, and mm-hmm. we play four bars. Mm-hmm. And so it goes, the camera goes, they, they, you know, they film at 5.30. So the camera goes, drums, 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 right to the big trumpet player, big man. And as they're counting, this is like a movie set, man. Mm-hmm. It's, like a, it's like a movie story. As they're counting down the stage manager, uh, long blonde ponytail, 
I was the only kid in the band that hadn't done one of these TV shows. And mm. I was, I was super nervous. And he says, five, four, don't worry, Vinny. It's only 40 million people. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh man, I was just peeing right down my leg, man. But played perfectly, nice. and it was an amazing experience. And and the payoff was not until 15 years later, yeah. When you know when when I finally found out that my dad actually you know gave a crap. <laughs> you know, it, well, <laughs> and cool. and you're fortunate for that. You know, my dad passed away in 2010, and I finally mm-hmm. got to play uh, on stage with Doc last year. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and I just, I thought back to, man, I wish he could have. Because I remember, just like you, man, I was I was staying up late to catch, you know, coming the bumper coming back or going to commercial. Heck yeah, man. Him you know, you catch the band for two seconds. Hand. Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's that's terrific. Vinny Zaselski. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Vinny Zaselski. Oh, did I even come close to that? That's good. You did it. You nailed it. I did it. Uh, hey, truly, thanks for being here today. Well, thanks for having me, man, and taking the time. I know these these uh, interviews with the the time it takes to do the interview and the editing process and getting it online and pushing all the right buttons is definitely a labor of love. So, um, you know, I I just really appreciate what you do. I think well, it's, I think it's great. For, that means for a lot. Everybody. Thank you, thank yeah, you very much. Absolutely. And yes, uh, and I do love it. You know. And, and especially when they're interviews like this, where it's easy. So I don't, I don't have to start pulling words out of somebody's mouth. So, 